Hey, zombie lovers. I was going to say, hey, all you movie lovers, which is what I say on the radio show, but this is a different thing. So, hey, uh, zombie lovers, welcome to Hey, All You Zombies. Uh, we've been off for a couple of weeks. Uh, Chris has been recuperating from a uh, strain of zombie virus something or other that has been very unpleasant. And uh, I've, been, I've been wandering the halls uh, with no one to talk to for two whole weeks now. Aww. It's been brutal. It's been yeah. brutal. Uh, but we're back uh, for a, the first, the inaugural uh, broadcast of 2013. I'm trying to popularize the phrase one three. One three. Of, yes, people are freaked out about the number 13. A lot of Triskaidekaphobians out there are a little freaked out by the number 13. And 2013, 2013 is so cumbersome. So I'm like, hey, happy one three. I was trying to get it going, but it hasn't really. Uh, I used it on the radio a few times. It got tweeted a couple of times by people, but I'm, I'm not hearing people using it on the street. So I, I'm, I'm thinking it's not catching on, but I'm really, hey, what happened in the 1-3? I hope the 1-3 treats you well. It works. I mean, I think it works really well. So It's snappy. That, it is snappy. It's snappy and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of hip, but uh, I, I'm not the only one that thinks so. You need it for um, a gloomy time of the year. I mean, that's why we have holidays. But that's why we have Christmas trees and things like that, because it, it really is a rotten time of year uh, in terms of weather and sickness and things like that. So you need you need snappy. You know, yeah. Although I look out the window today and it's rather sunny. It's kind of nice out there today. So, hey, um, anyway, we're back. We're back after two weeks. In the one three, I'm going to keep in the one three. In the one three, and uh, it is uh, January eighth. Uh, this is a, a a holy day around my home, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's it's David Bowie's birthday. Uh, David Bowie is 66 today. So uh, you know, earlier today I had my big glittery platform boots on, and I sat around the the glowing phonograph and listened to Ziggy Stardust and. Uh, had the traditional Bowie breakfast, uh, and uh, then I go online, and I like my mind was actually blown because I keep up with this stuff. I keep up with what's going on in the world of David Bowie, and it's, it's it's not all that hard because frankly, there's not that much going on these days. He hasn't made a record since uh, 2003. Health uh, issues. He uh, he has a bad heart kind of sidelined him almost completely in 2004. He hasn't played live in ages. And it was just kind of assumed that this was it, that he wasn't going to do anything more uh, because um, he uh, at one point said, when it's done for me, when it's over, when I decide there will be no more, I'll just disappear. I'm just going to go away. And he wasn't going to be one of those rock stars that just you know, did the, the country fair circuit like he would ever do that. But, you know, but that was going to sort of go out, uh, um, you know, fade away. He was just going to disappear. That was going to be it. And it looked like that's what he had done. For like nine years, it looked like he had done until this morning when my mind was blown. I So, you know, uh, I put on the glittery boots. I'm all ready to go. I'm on my way to the radio station. And I have to uh, go on the radio station uh, early in the morning and talk about entertainment issues. So on my way there, I'm on my phone and I'm barreling through everything. And I, uh, I pick up uh, a, a Twitter feed that says something about a new David Bowie song. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this can't possibly be true. I mean, <laughs> this is a David Bowie, you know, uh, birthday hoax, or it is, uh, you know, an a re-release or a mix or... But no, somehow, in the world of David Bowie, which is, I'm not the only one out there that pays attention to this stuff, um, he managed to uh, record not only a new single, which is released right now uh, on uh, iTunes, you can check it out, it's called Where Are We Now, uh, but also he has a new record coming out in March, it'll be available on uh, March uh, 11th. Produced by Tony Visconti, which if you're a Bowie fan, sends a little chill down your back because of he, he produced the classic Bowie albums and, and was Bowie's manager. And uh, so they're together again after many years. Uh, there's a new single. Uh, there's a new video for the single. But the thing that blows my mind is that there was no talk of this at all. There were no rumblings. Oh, look, there's a Bowie. Bowie. I heard Bowie's working on something. No musicians. So, I mean, I can only uh, imagine that he has a home studio somewhere that he uh, played all the instruments himself, or maybe, you know, he just worked with people that he could really trust. But this was com 
kept completely under wraps. And uh, I mean, it was on the national news. I saw it on the news. Like, this is such big news, not just around here in the Bowie household that I live in, where I have in my living room, and you've seen it, like an eight-foot photograph of David Bowie framed hanging on the wall. Uh, but uh, but it's big sort of news all over the place because people thought that was it, that he had retired and that there was going to be no more. And he's back. And uh, I'm very excited. I don't imagine that he'll tour. I don't think that we'll see any more live shows. He might do uh, maybe a one-off here and there or maybe a, a, a live appearance on television or something like that. I don't think we'll see him tour, which is a shame because I would love – I've seen him nine or ten times – and I would love to see one more amazing show, but I don't think that's going to happen this time. I just don't think his health is, is uh, good enough. I'm knocking wood. But uh, I, I don't think his health is good enough, but I'd love to see him perform live one more time. That would be fantastic. Very exciting time around here in the old House of Krauss. Yeah. Well, and I've always been surprised when you've said that he's kind of been – you know, in stealth mode, just so mm -hmm. quiet, because he is someone who was an early adopter when it came to technology. Well, uh, in websites he had, you know, he had a, a very interactive website long before most everybody else did. I mean, when everyone else had these, like a page that you could go up and the first thing you saw was buy a t-shirt here, you know, he actually had uh, a website that you can communicate directly with him. He actually answered emails and things. Now he doesn't do that anymore. But he did early on. He was fascinated by it, apparently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so an early adopter and someone who has uh, always been, you know, just slightly fashion forward and, and you know, just this much ahead of the trends. And uh, so to see him sort of step away from all that uh, was sad for me because I thought it meant there would be no more music from him. But, you know, he has continued, like there, every now and again, a painting would appear here and there. If you sort of dig around the crevices of the net, you find, you know, evidence of life here and there, just no new music. And um, he now is sort of in, hitting that, that phase. He's been around for so long that, you know, the 40th anniversary of Ziggy Stardust just came and went. And so there's a new re-release of that. And along with that, there's a website that you can put your face on the David Bowie face on the cover and, you know, uh, do all that kind of thing. There is a, um, uh, Aladdin Sane will be out next year. Uh, a new version of that uh, changes. The single uh, is 41 years old this week. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's lots going on. So there's still Bowie's around still, but it was all reissued stuff. And, and some of the reissued stuff is beautiful. It's great. It's really well done, but it's not new material until today. Crazy. Crazy. And you've listened to it. Oh, I've listened to it and it's beautiful. It is melancholy. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have to give it a, a few more listens before I think I really understand it. it. But it does to me, it sounds like, um, a mix of the stuff that he was doing in the Berlin albums, like Low and and uh, and Heroes, and sort of a mix of that with kind of a melancholy tone that has been on the last couple of albums, and and so it, it's it's curious. I mean, it's not Ziggy Stardust. It's not a rock thing, as far as I can tell. I mean, who knows what the rest of the record's going to sound like? But it, it's it, it's it's the sound of a mature artist. I think, kind of maybe taking stock of where he is now, you know, and, or, and looking back a little bit, but really, I mean, it's a beautiful song. Um, and, and it's new David Bowie. It's new David Bowie. Now the BBC has a thing because he is 66. I want to touch on this as well. He's 66 years old today. They have 66 facts about David Bowie. And, uh, People were tweeting me going, how many of these did you know? And I'm like, well, probably all of them. And then I looked it up. But there's some that maybe not everybody knows. So uh, number four on the list, did you know that uh, rock guitarist Peter Frampton was Bowie's friend at school? And his dad, Peter Frampton's dad, was the head of the art department. And uh, uh, Peter Frampton and Bowie have gone on to play together many times in their careers, but they've known one another since they were very young, which wow. I thought was uh, interesting. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Bowie is believed to have sold in the region of 140 million albums over his career. Um, it's, it's, you know, when you have a, a fact like that saying, oh, well, he knew Peter Frampton when he was young, but there's still a major gap from when they were young boys to suddenly becoming rock stars. It's like yeah. knowing somebody and then 10 years later sort of coming back to them and saying, hey, well, oh, you yeah. know. Well, and they, 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 they took very different careers. You know, I mean, Bowie yeah. 
Bowie was always a solo artist. Peter Frampton wasn't. He was in Humble Pine and a lot of other things. And Peter Frampton, because of his long curly hair, sort of had that 70s rock idol kind of thing. And so he became that, whereas Bowie never did. He was always, Bowie has been a serious artist all the way along. Whereas Peter Frampton, I think, to be fair, you could say that he hasn't been, you know, good and a, a beautiful guitar player and all that, but just in a, in a slightly different league. Um, uh, Bing Crosby recorded his last ever single with David Bowie. Their duet version of The Little Drummer Boy was recorded uh, for Christmas of 1977, and it was a hit five years later. Um, I mean, it just goes on. And there's 66 of them, um, but none, but I have to tell you, there, there's none that I didn't know. But right now, the Victoria and Albert Museum in London has been given access to Bowie, to the Bowie archive, to create the first international retrospective of his career. Cool. Bowie is, uh, it will feature, it's called David Bowie Is, and it will feature more than 300 objects. And it opens March 23rd and runs till July 28th, 2013. And uh, I plan on being in London in May. Cool. So you'll know that I'll be at the Victoria and Albert Museum at some point. Well, for their last exhibit, they had a fantastic app um, where they did an entire exhibit around Halloween that was all based on costumes from Hollywood and the real artifacts, you know, um, the, the, the little tramp outfit yeah, from yeah. Charlie Chaplin or the, the, the Blues Brothers outfit that Dan Aykroyd uh, had. And so they had this wonderful exhibit. You could go and take a look at the clothing. But what they did for the app was because they had access to these artifacts, they had each one of them scanned 360 degrees wow. and thrown into an app so that you could actually take a photo of, your, of yourself wearing all that clothing. Really? Really. Uh, <laughs> they they simply okay. called it Hollywood Booth. It's uh, the VNA uh, Wet Museum. Fantastic app. It worked really, really well. I downloaded it. I, I wore um, some costumes from Sense and Sensibility. It looked really, really great. So if they have access to a bunch of Bowie artifacts, and he is that kind of tech-savvy fellow. There's a very good chance that they may do digital scans of some of his stuff. And My mind is just blown right Yeah, it would be fantastic. I mean, uh, that's been a big, wonderful trend lately in the world of apps is to take these things that are priceless to scan them, and then you get a hands-on experience on your iPad. Uh, what they've done with, say, like Leonardo da Vinci's book is just phenomenal. It's like actually having the codices in your home. Which just, so uh, that would be very exciting. I hope they actually uh, do something along those lines. Looking it up right now to see uh, that <laughs> Oh, this is crazy. And they've got, like, there's lots. I mean, it's not just the one app. There's loads of them here. Oh, yeah. So it should be uh, Hollywood Booth. I'm going to make sure I got the, the name. But I remembered it from Halloween. And it was, uh, it was good. Well, that's just exciting. But uh, I, I, you know, it, it, there it is. Hollywood camera. Hollywood camera. Okay. Uh, and it's by Rebu Limited. You can see the V and A red logo in the upper left-hand corner. I'm just. Uh, do do do. There we go. So oh, what yeah. I'll do is I'll show you a photo. <laughs> yeah, the VNA was like with the logo in the corner. There's a guy holding the VNA logo, right? That's right. Yeah. Boom. I'll be buying that one. That's exciting. And and so yeah, if they have the David Bowie stuff there, you're going to be seeing a lot of funny pictures on uh, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I would guess. Uh, yeah. Well, I, and it should be really cool. So here, let's see. I've got one I can pull up that I did when I was reviewing it. To do, so we will go into a little screen share. There we are, and there I am. <laughs> that's awesome! Wow, it works really, really well. And wow. so that's the outfit from Sense and Sensibility. Uh, yeah, that's crazy! <laughs> wow, yeah. So it should be great fun if uh, they do have an exhibit and the VAA uh, right now is... Uh... Hi, this is Chris. Well, it was at this point that we lost connection, but thankfully, after a few minutes, it came back.
Ray's fame sings the do-do-do backings on Sound and Vision. Chris is back, and I was just filling the peoples in on the Bowie uh, uh, trivia a little bit more. I, I accidentally closed the window uh, that we have for our little web chat here when I was trying to close down the, uh, the photo of me from Sense and Sensibility. And then as I was trying to regain, rejoin uh, Google Hangouts, Google Plus was just exploding with lots of posts about David Bowie as the news is just going up. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's like I'm trying to find the little entry that has our hangout so I can rejoin. It's like David Bowie, David Bowie, David Bowie, you know. No, so I'm telling you, it's, it is, uh, it is uh, big, big news, and not just around here. People are really excited. I mean, I think part of it, too, is uh, because in this world of 24-hour uh, access to, uh, to, to information and to entertainment news and, frankly, just regular news that is so much more conjectured than anything else, you know, uh, that the idea that someone could manage to do this, make a video, make a, 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 an entire album, someone on that, uh, working at that level yeah. and go unnoticed is, I think, kind of exciting to people. He's managed to beat Apple in terms of keeping secrets, and that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. But I hope that this means that he's going to come out and uh, be more engaging with the world uh, moving forward. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to go on tour. doesn't have to do concerts. There are lots of uh, people from that era that are, are still doing wonderful things. Tonight, for example, Brian May, Queen guitarist, will be on Stargazing Live. On the that's, that's so crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and just I, that – I love that. I mean, I'm just, I'm so excited to sit down and watch. And I know that the gang at Stargazing are huge fans of David Bowie. Astrophysicist uh, Brian Cox is always tweeting about Bowie. They're going crazy about today as well. So I would love if David Bowie and Brian Cox could get together and talk about the stars, the moon. That would be fantastic. David Bowie could talk about the song Starman. And Brian Cox talks about the stars. It's perfect. I would watch that. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. No, that, so that would be something to hope forward to. I, I haven't heard the song. I'm going to have to listen to it today. Uh, that'll be cool. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about a uh, really, really cool uh, replica. Again, we always talk about things from uh, previous eras. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, we've mentioned um, movie replicas in the past. We talk about the movie replica forum, and you know our focus has been mainly people who build their own movie replicas. But of course, you can go and purchase replicas uh, from the movies. They tend to be quite expensive. Uh, so, for example, here I have is uh, the the sword right. that uh, you'll see in the movie The Hobbit right now. It is an exact replica from The Lord of the Rings, right down to every little. Is this one that the king uh, uh, carries, or is this, this is the, the one, one Bilbo carries? Oh, this is the sword that Bilbo Baggins right. uh, finds. They hand it to him, and it, this is the one where um, uh, one of the dwarves makes a, a derisive remark that it's not really a sword; it's more like a letter opener because yeah, 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 yeah. terribly small. Um, beautiful, beautiful item, and of course, like the one that's in the movie, if there happens to be a goblin nearby, then it will light up. So I'm fortunately I happen to have a goblin as a neighbor. I'm gonna ask him to step a little bit closer. We'll see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. All right. Come a little. Don't eat the cat. Nah. If he comes closer, you know how they get. There we go. The gob. Beware! There is a goblin nearby. That's pretty cool. Wow. That's very wow. very cool. It does the little hum. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah. He sort of walks away now. Wow, that's cool. It, it goes right back to being metal. Wow. And then, um, you know, if you happen to have a friend that also has a sword and you want to play at sword fighting, <laughs> it's that kind of noise as well. Wow. And, and the sad thing is that uh, a lot of these replica items, when they're available for sale from companies that make that, that's from Master Replica, it's a limited time. If you don't buy them, then you can't get them anymore. So that's from about, I think, six years ago when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out. And the company that made it has since gone under. So you can't even get that sword anymore. But there's a, a very particular item that just debuted this week. And I think it's one of the all-time greats. Right. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here. And it's from my favorite online uh, store, which is ThinkGeek. And they're offering a life-size replica of HAL 9000. That's cool. 
this is very, very cool. Yeah. And so what you're looking at is a very flat piece that you can hang on your wall, okay? Much like how uh, the computer from 2001 in Space Odyssey would be. And <laughs> it's got a built-in speaker with Hal's voice. He, he will speak to you, and it's voice activated. Wow. So if you walk in and uh, you say something, you know, open the pod door bays, Hal, uh, he will respond to you and say, well, I don't think that's a good idea when you're not wearing a helmet. Yeah. That sort of that's stuff. That's awesome. Just beautiful. Hal, the voice of Hal, uh, was a Canadian actor named Douglas Rain in the that's original true. movie. That's very cool. Now, have you seen the Hobbit movies? I have, yes. And how many times have you seen the Hobbit movie? I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice, have you? Yeah. I've seen it twice. I'm just looking here because I, you know, I've seen it, and I, I have to tell you, I, I'm not uh, the biggest fan of this movie, but I, you know, I didn't dislike it. I just it, it didn't work for me as well as I thought that it might. But uh, it's made a fortune all over the world, and I'm just looking at something here. I interviewed Richard Arbitrage, who plays uh, the king of the dwarves. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, I'm just looking it up. Where is it? Because I threw this up on my, my uh, YouTube page, and um, I got so many hits immediately from it. Let's browse videos. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, so I, I threw up this uh, interview with an actor who, you know, is, is, is best known or now will be best known for uh, playing uh, in The Hobbit. And uh, I got 7,800 hits, like, immediately from it. And so that gives you, I think, some idea of how uh, of, of how big this movie is in the in the real world. You know, like in the world of people who actually are going out and buying the tickets. Because critics did not really uh, jump up and down at this movie, but fans. I mean, uh, and I, I checked the Google Analytics uh, the other day of this, and it was incredible. Like the the, the people have spent. I think it was uh, at that time, and this was you know a few a couple of weeks ago. Uh, people had spent twenty four thousand minutes listening to the Richard Arbitrage interview. That's fantastic. That's crazy, right? That's very crazy. Yes, uh, and and you know uh, keep in mind that uh, yes, the movie's a big, huge you know movie. It's been well marketed, but. These are people who have already seen the movie probably a couple of times. They're choosing to invest even more time and energy to go deeper and deeper and deeper about the movie to actually, you know, seek out interviews and to listen to them on YouTube. So that's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I know. Listen, it's 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 you know interesting to me because you never know. Like I I, I post everything, right? I post every all these interviews that I do, whether it's for print or whatever, I post them generally all on this YouTube site. And you never know, you know, uh, Richard Arbitrage, I thought, whatever, we'll throw it up, see what happens, get a few hundred hits, got 7,800 hits, I mean, almost immediately. Um, so you really never know uh, if it's going to go through the roof or not. No, my, one of the top videos, well, the top video on my own YouTube channel is the one I did on artist David Hockney. And I right. never would have thought that that was going to take off the way that it has. Yeah. But, um, you know, um, David Hockney is, is a great, wonderful contemporary artist known for his, his, his pools, known for, you know, lots of uh, scenes. I, I did a whole thing on him actually using an iPad to create paintings. That kind of material, I've seen it online, it never really goes crazy. <laughs> and yet I've had, I think, more than 37,000 people have viewed it. Uh, majority of people from the United Kingdom, so it's just it's fantastic when it happens. It's nice that you can you know bring something that, that gives people that much sort of connection, joy, or interest. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm just having a quick look here. So you know, some of them, I mean, literally, some of them get hardly any hits at all. Like uh, David Chase, the creator of the of the uh, Sopranos. There's 30 hits for an interview that I posted with him a week ago. And then I just looked down. I, I I did this interview two months ago with Sally Field from Lincoln. And that one's got six thousand views. Well, and it's that's it's random, right? That that's a little bit random. I would it's, sometimes it's the topic that's involved. Yeah. So um, you know, a good example is you've just posted what I think is a fantastic interview with Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. You know, forty-five minutes, very in depth. You talk about 
wonderful things. I mean, within, in the span, what I love about it is that when the two of you are talking, how quickly and wonderfully you move from one topic to the next. I mean, you guys talk about Quentin Tarantino. You, you talk about Vincenzo Vitelli. You talk yeah. about Frankenstein. Uh, you know, it just and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. It's it's a wonderful, beautiful interview, but. Of his little junket that he did here in Toronto, there was an interview that went viral. It wasn't that one. It was one that uh, a colleague I know wrote, and it was mere, merely because in his interview, he asked Guillermo to talk about video games. Yeah. That was it. And that put it to the top page on Reddit and other websites. And so it's really weird sometimes what can sort of find life and what can't. Because there, make no mistake of it, of the interviews that are out there, yours is the one to listen to. Yours well, I mean, is the best kind of the bunch. Mine, mine kind of blew my mind a little bit. Like I, I, I asked him at one point, I said, uh, here, and here's a photograph of, uh, of me with Guillermo um, holding my book, Raising Hell, Ken Russell and the Unmaking of the Devils. But I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I asked him, I said, you know, so often in your movies, uh, they 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 are they revolve around kids. There's you know they, they, and kids are in peril somehow. And I, I said, you know, why is that? He said, well, because I had a horrible childhood. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. And then he goes on to explain why his fear. Uh, he was he was raised. His grandmother was a very strict Roman Catholic, and he talks about how Mexican Roman Catholicism is gory and brutal. And he would lay awake at night, terrified at the idea of burning in hell. And I'm thinking, this this is blowing my mind. What what you're telling me here? But maybe I should have asked him about video games. But yeah. it wouldn't have been as interesting to me. That's all I'm saying. Well, in your interview, he talks about how someone held a gun to his head. Yeah, I know. That's right. Crazy. And yet everybody's excited because he's acknowledged that Portal is a cool game. Right? Like <laughs> the, 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 the priors here are a little kind of out of whack. And part of it is I think that people sometimes when they're searching for stuff, they're searching for stuff that kind of acknowledges them. I think this is cool. I want somebody who's big and famous to, to agree with me on it. Well, yeah, no, Rather than paying attention to, you know, the unexpected, which is what well, they want to see themselves reflected somehow, you know, and, and, and sort of find forge that connection. And, you know, the interview that that I did with him, a lot of what he says is pretty singular to him, which is what I found fascinating, you know, uh, but, you know, it doesn't maybe have that broad based sort of appeal. But if you will post it on the HeyAllYouZombies.com uh, website, check it out, because it's really it's kind of an interesting interview, I think, even if I do say so myself. Um, and uh, he's a fascinating guy, you know. I just I, I love Guillermo. He's so open and uh, easy to talk to, and, and you know, he's just a good guy. All I, right. You know, well, and the, the thing I liked about your interview was that you gave the sense of what it would be like to hang out with Guillermo for an afternoon, which yeah. is something you want to do. There's some celebrities and artists you would not want to hang out with them for an afternoon. Go see their movies, yeah. uh, listen to their albums by all means. But Guillermo is someone that you want to live with for a week. I mean, uh, listening to him talk about Bleak House, which is, you know, the house that, and the expansion on the house that he bought just to put all his collectibles and I items mean, is just that, fantastic. Well, that blew my mind. And, you know, he told me uh, in the interview, he said, you know, I, when I was a kid, it, this all sort of stems. The, the interview, if you listen to it from start to finish, and the one that's online is edited a little bit. So there are like little gaps in there, um, uh, information-wise, because I had to take some stuff out. But um, if you do listen to the raw interview from start to finish, it all flows as one almost long idea about him as a child creating this imaginary world, and then as an adult, how that has manifested itself, right? And so he talks about in the interview how when he was a kid, terrified by these images of burning in hell and original sin and all that stuff, um, and so he creates this world in his house. And he said, you know, when I was a kid, I, I, I imagined that I lived in a house that had a room where it rained 24 hours a day. Cut to 10 minutes later in the interview, he goes, I got a room in the house where it rains 24 hours a day now. He said, I wanted it and I got it. And, you know, and, and it's just, it, it's such a, uh, to, to sit there with him while he's telling you these stories and, and to see the obvious pleasure that he takes in it uh, is, uh, was, was really special and really fun. I mean, I just showed you that picture. You see the look on both of our faces and it was, it was a fun afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're looking to start your own bleak house, uh, you have to kind of be careful in terms of what replica items that you get. The HAL 9001 strikes me as being something that would be worth having. 
Yeah, yeah. it sort of fits within the aesthetic if you put it on a on your home. And they've gone the extra mile. They've actually built it using the same materials. They they access the blueprints from Stanley wow. Kubrick's production company. The original Letra set files so that yeah. they get all the the fonts right. And it turns out that the Nikkor lens that's used for Hal's eye was rare back then. Now yeah. it's impossible to right. get those lenses. So the guys who made this actually had their own imitation lenses ground and then added the Nikon letters, lettering on it just in case someone leans very close and takes a look inside there. I also like the touch that there's no on or off button. There's nothing to give it away. This is what's key. You know, some replicas, you look at it, and then you look, and there's a, a, a switch on the bottom that tells you, okay, well, it's not really what you thought it was. Yeah. With this little replica, all you do is you reach forward, and you grab the focus ring on the, the, the camera, and you just twist right. it, and that turns him on. That's cool. That's a nice That's a really cool detail. They're selling it for $500, and it's sold out already. Right. Which well, sucks, but, you Guillermo, know. Guillermo uh, uh, in Bleak House, which is just filled with, things just his, his things uh he's fortunate enough to be able to have a lot of stuff made so he he'll say you know i i love the movie freaks the todd browning movie freaks so he had someone commissioned to make statues of all the characters from freaks and they're everywhere all over the house and it's just it's nuts it's nuts yeah. i That's feel very happy to have my little king kong here my little brass king kong mm -hmm. probably got a life-size king kong in his in the second Bleak House, because he bought the house next door to continue the expansion of it. It's just it's such a it's such a great story. Listen to the interview; it's worth having to listen to. Oh, I completely agree. Uh, um, is it you? Uh, you wanted to talk? No, or is it me? Yeah. Uh, well, if you have something else to talk about, it's your turn. Well, I was well. You know what? I, I was just going to go through quickly because it is the end of the year. We took a couple of weeks off. Um, yeah. I was just going to talk about. Uh, very quickly, the best and worst movies of the year. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of making up lists. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, every year I'm sort of asked to. And so I thought about it this year quite a bit. And and so I, I, I've made an alphabetical list of the best and worst. And I would just sort of give you titles. I've talked about this a little bit. And there's a hundred lists out there. So I'm not going to bore everyone you know, detail by detail. But uh, The Dark Knight Rises, number one, that's the, that's alphabetically. I just saw a great way to wrap up Christopher Nolan's uh, trilogy. Uh, it was a big, exciting movie. Uh, showed uh, one of two movies that showed what Anne Hathaway can do in a movie uh, this year. Good stuff. Django Unchained, if you haven't seen it yet, don't even look at me. Don't even look at me if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, the Impossible is a movie that you may have missed because it's opening in a very limited way and it's soon going to expand across the country. But it's the story of a family that gets separated in the tsunami that uh, really caused devastation in Thailand in 2004. And uh, it is a movie that could have been an action movie, could have been a huge action movie, uh, just with the tsunami and the, the effects of it. But it isn't. It's really a, a movie about the people that were affected by this. And it focuses on this one family uh, played by uh, Ewan McGregor and Naomi Watts and then uh, some really terrific young actors as their kids so it's good stuff Looper I mean, Looper is great science fiction that's not about spaceships and it's not about aliens it's it's about uh, time travel but it's about humanity it's about a lot of uh, sort of very primal very earthbound ideas all wrapped up in a big science fiction bow it's a great it, it uses time travel uh, not to talk about the, the mathematics of time travel, but to talk about the human condition as a way to kind of explore the human, you know, bouncing back through someone's yeah. life rather than, hey, look at what you could do if you could bend and warp time and space, which is very cool, very cleverly done. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, the Master, uh, probably the most divisive movie on the list here. People either really love it like me or hate it and write me nasty letters because I love it. I've gotten a lot of mail about this one, uh, but go see it for the for the uh, the performances. Just unbelievable performances from Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom. There's big stars like Bruce Willis and Ed Norton and and Bill Murray in here, but it's really about these two kids, and it's about two 12 year old kids who fall in love and decide to run away and sort of get away from the adults in their lives. And it's really really good stuff. The Sessions uh, should have been the downer movie of the year. It's about a man who's paralyzed from here down who decides that he wants to explore his sexuality a little bit, so he hires a sex surrogate. 
Uh, it has amazing performances, and it's really uplifting and funnier than you think it's going to be. It's a great movie, but nobody went to see it because I think that people were <laughs> uh, put off by the idea of a sexual movie about a disabled person, and uh, they made the wrong decision by deciding not to go see it. So hopefully it will find an audience on DVD. Uh, Skyfall, James Bond was back in a huge way this year with Skyfall. Stories We Tell is a really interesting Sarah Pauly documentary that explores a true story, the story of her life, really. Uh, she grew up with a man who she thought was her father. It turns out that maybe he wasn't. And so what she did is contact everyone who was even peripherally involved in this story, brothers, sisters, friends, family, and asked them to tell her what they knew about her father versus this other man. And then she's pieced together this amazing documentary um, that is about her life, but it's also about the way we remember things, uh, the, 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 the importance that people place on memories and, and, or not, and what the stuff that people block out. It is really good. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty opens this week. A uh, great movie about, uh, which is a sort of basically a procedural about how they found and killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, but it's it's a it's a really exciting movie. Now the bottom ten movies. I'll just say I Django Unchained, brilliant movie. Loved it, loved it. And yeah. one thing I've never heard anyone say. What I thought was brilliant about it was that you have the Nazi from Inglorious Bastards, who everybody was all oh, the way those Germans treat their fellow human beings becoming the anti-slavery hero, yeah. Django Unchained. Yeah. Nice little link between those two holocausts, you know. Because yeah. yeah. when Glorious Bastards came out, everybody was like, you know, how can you show this in Germany? Aren't they going to get upset? I mean, you know, they really did not treat people well once upon a time in their past. Well, America also has a really bad history, and this yeah. is sort of Quentin's way of kind of pointing that back to them and saying, look, you know, we all kind of have to look. We, no one should throw the, the first stone. Tarantino's fearless. I'll tell you that. I mean, in terms of of making a movie about slavery that is uh, funny by times, that is uh, violent. It's a revenge flick. It is. I mean, it's there's just so much going on here. Uh, it is a it is a fearless uh, film and uh, also a wildly entertaining one. Uh, for the bottom ten list, uh, I'll just go through this. Uh, quick. These are the ones you should not watch. Oh, you. please do not watch these movies. A thousand <laughs> words. Uh, Build as a comedy, but I really see it as a tragedy. It is the tragedy of the wasted career of Eddie Murphy. This is an awful movie that just is emblematic of everything that that guy does wrong on screen. He's a genius comic performer, and yet in movie after movie after movie, he lets us down because it just seems like he's not trying very hard. Uh, Battleship. You know, I wasn't sure how they could possibly turn a board game into a movie, and now that then I saw a Battleship, and I'm still not sure if it can be done. So, you know. Uh, the Devil Inside, there's a title card near the beginning of The Devil Inside that reads, The Vatican does not endorse this film, and I know how they feel, because I can't endorse it. Uh, Medea's Witness Protection. Tyler Perry has made a fortune playing this character, Medea, who is a kind of cranky old grandmother character. He's made a number of movies, and he plays her in the films. And I just wanted to read here, uh, it, it's a movie that's so awful that the distributor sent around an embargo notice. Now, an embargo notice, when we go to see movies, often we'll get, you know, a slip of paper that says, uh, you know, we're going to let you see this movie, but we don't want you to review it until opening day. So, you know, it, uh, it essentially what they're trying to do is coordinate all the reviews to run at one time, to make a big splash. I'm fine with that. It's part of the rules. It's one of the rules of doing this for a living is that, you know, you, you run reviews on opening day. So I go see Medea's Witness Protection. I come home, and there's an email in my inbox saying, you saw it this morning. We need you to sign this embargo now. And the embargo uh, was a notice forbidding critics to speak about the movie until the day after its release. So we weren't allowed to review it on the day of release either. And it says here, uh, the it was a sternly worded letter that included any comments that we might, might make in print, online, via text, or even in public places. And they mentioned elevators, restaurants, restrooms, as these conversations, pardon me, might be overheard. So I wasn't even allowed to, to you know, we'd be able to have a dinner. I'd say, hey, Chris, man, Medea is terrible. 
because they might fe they fear that the person next to us might hear me say that. Anyway, oh. it says pretty much all that you need to know about that movie. Wow. Okay. Mirror, mirror, you know, a sort of a retelling of uh, of the uh, Snow White, uh, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall uh, fairy tale. Just wrong from top to bottom. It just like wanted to be something that it wasn't. It's beautiful looking, but really uh, empty. And it's about as funny as you might expect from the director who also made uh, the Losing My Religion music video for Ori. <laughs> <laughs> uh, One for the Money was a Catherine Hagel movie that really, uh, it was supposed to be the beginning of a big franchise for her. Fails on almost every level. Uh, and mostly I think it's Catherine Hagel, who's not a movie star. I really do feel she has to go back to television or just take it easier for a while. Uh, Red Lights, paranormal thriller, and you think, wow, this has got Sigourney Weaver, Killian Murphy, Robert De Niro. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, it also has a ludicrous premise, which just pushes it uh, into the realm of the ridiculous. But that's my boy. Uh, when I wrote about that at the at the time, it's the Adam Sandler comedy, I said, at the screening of the new R-rated, for raunchy and redundant, no doubt, movie, That's My Boy, I felt like I witnessed something special, but not special in a good way. I can't help but think that what I saw wasn't so much of a movie, but more of some kind of performance art where people who should know better do awful things and charge you 10 bucks to watch. So, uh, W.E. Madonna makes a movie uh, about... Uh, King uh, George the Sixth and, wow. and his mistress. Plus, also sets half of the movie in present day. I say, choose one story. <laughs> Tell them, you know, and then there was a movie called uh, The Words. And The Words probably, if I was to to have my worst movie of the year, I think probably The Words would be it. It's a Bradley Cooper movie about uh, a novelist who. Um, uh, can't seem to write anything that will sell. And then one day he's in Paris and he finds an unpublished manuscript in, a, in an old suitcase and he publishes it, becomes famous, and then the past comes back to haunt him a little bit. And um, it's a, just an awful, an awful movie. It's overwritten. It is, you know, and, and there's, there's just so much wrong with this movie. I can't really uh, even, you know, I, I can't even go on about how much I hated this movie. But I, I will put the review up for it on HeyAllYouZombies.com <laughs> because I think people should be warned. Okay, I, gotcha. I owe it to people to warn them about this movie. Wow. I'm going to do that. I'm going to just remind myself to do that right now. I mean, and you must – how can you remind yourself of this stuff? You, you sat through it all. I mean, wow. Yeah. Well, I watch bad movies, so you don't have to. That's what they say. That's what I say. I, I, uh, I you know, I, I go into every movie um, with the expectation that it's going to be good. And then sometimes, you know, they're, sometimes I'm horribly disappointed. Sometimes I'm really pleasantly pleased, right? right. Uh, but the words was one of those ones – uh, that just got worse as it went on. And uh, there was a, a, a point in this movie where one of the characters says, wait, this is where things get interesting. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, if only he was right. Because whenever a character says that in a movie, typically it never gets any more interesting than that. Uh, and if you, if you have to say it, then it's not going to be true. I mean, you should just show it, you know. You know show me, don't tell me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So that's uh, it. It's my best and worst of the year. All right. Well, that was a good list. Uh, very happy that John Carter wasn't on that list. John Carter, you know, listen, ambitious movie. Cloud Atlas wasn't on there on either. You know, Cloud Atlas was one of those weird ones that could have straddled the line between best and worst, you know, because, you know, quite honestly, it, it, it isn't a movie that works particularly well. But, you know, I think that the filmmakers were really trying to do something. And I'm not going to slap down ambition uh, in that way. And I think I feel kind of the same about John Carter. John Carter failed for any number of reasons, from my money, but it wasn't through a lack of ambition. No, I saw a movie this morning, which I I I I, I won't mention the title of because it doesn't open for a couple of weeks yet. <laughs> uh, but you know, here's a movie that doesn't have an ounce of ambition to it at all. And, you know, as I sat there, uh, and it's amiable enough, I guess, you know, but it's one of those movies that just hopes that, you know, on the opening weekend that they can grab 10 bucks, you know, suck 10 bucks out of your pocket 
and that'll you know that you'll never think about it again once you leave the theater. And I don't demand that every movie sort of you know make my my brain uh, work overtime, but I would hope that at least they try a little bit to engage me. And this movie just doesn't try on any level. The one I saw this morning. That's right. a very popular action hero. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you something that, that has engaged me. I'm very excited. There's a, a new band. On I'm excited stage. about this as well. I've heard about this. It's this awesome. is awesome. So it's a band called uh, Compressor Head. Uh, this is actually a really good photo to show. I don't have one that's completely of all three or right. four members of the band. But Compressor Head is a band of robots that play heavy metal. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that sounds... It sounds fantastic, but then I'm someone that I've, you know, tech is my beat. So I have been promised that many times over the decades, and it's usually awful. Uh, usually when you have robotic musicians, they are more robotic than they are musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they kind of they go from being like the Chuck E. Cheese players to, you know, essentially, you know, robots that kind of try to mimic the, the movements, but are really just, or the music sounds awful, or something like this. But this this band called Compressor Head, which is now um, becoming viral because they put a practice video up on YouTube, is well, composed of Spades by uh, Motorhead. by Motorhead, right? Yeah, yeah and, and Pantera. So the first uh, robot I showed was the bassist. Here we have uh, this is the guitarist. Uh, but what I like about these robots, number one, they do play the musical instruments that they're holding. Right. So it's not just a case of taking something that can play music and then wrapping it up with a, a humanoid body and going through the motions. But then on top of that, they manage to kind of push the ability, because that's what you want. If you're going to have a robot, it should be able to do something that human beings can't. So this guitarist that's there, he has 78 fingers. <laughs> he's not just playing a guitar. He's playing it with 78 robotic fingers, which is fantastic. Uh, the, the bassist that I showed, they say that he is the most accurate bassist in the world. That's how they promote him. Uh, and then you have the... the um, cool. I saw the video with the drummer. It's cool. Yeah. Oh, the drummer is just a maniac. Yeah, here he is. I know it's a little hard to, to, to make him out, but he's got four. Count him four arms. They say he's the perfect drummer because he's got four arms, I think three legs, and no brain is how they kind of promote him. And again, he plays the, the actual instruments when you watch them, and they sound good. I mean, it's enjoyable. They're not going to you know, make the, the, the highest quality album that's out there, but it's, it's something that you can actually kind of kick back and enjoy. If you like the Ace of Spades, it's the Ace of Spades. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, I, tell you, I saw the video, and uh, in the band tours, they play places. It's hard to uh, – apparently it's hard to uh, – um, uh, tour with them because they weigh, you know, 78 tons, but they, uh, they are uh, a, a lot of fun to watch. And I just looked up some other drummer jokes here. Uh, what's the last thing a drummer says in a band? Hey, how about we try one of my songs? Then of course, <laughs> what do you call a drummer that breaks up with his girlfriend? Homeless. Anyway, it goes on and on. <laughs> There's a lot of drummer jokes here. Well, the, the, I, I love just the the fact that they've caught the attitude. So this is a you know a band that's actually worth watching because they do a really great performance. I love that the drummer's got the mohawk that he bops to the beat. And if you look at the hi hat next to the fourteen piece drum set, they have a smaller robot. I don't know if you watch the video again. He's just working away on the hi hat and the, the humor. I mean, if you go to their website at uh, Compressor Head Band, they they refer to all their their fans as being meatheads. Meat bags, because of course they're robots. That's funny, right? And uh, I love the, the they've responded recently to you know the fact that they've gotten lots of hits. They said someone said one million of you meat bags put yeah. play on the rehearsal that the head meat bag around here videoed, so Big Dale could see what they're in for. Some of you have also been whining that you can't hear fingers guitar. Some of you say I hit the drums too loud. Some of you have obviously never heard a band rehearse before. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it's great. They, they really kind of try to interact with their fans. They've got this wonderful sense of humor. Uh, they will be playing the Big Day Out concert in Australia. They're from Germany. And they said the fun part is that at Big Day Out, there's two different stages. They're actually going to have to move from one stage to the next, and there's six tons worth of robotics. So I don't know how that's going to happen. But, wow. um, 
they, they say they're willing to go anywhere. They want to go around the world. So I would love for them to come to Canada. If they are, I will be there. And as soon as I saw them, I'm like, that for the first time is a robot heavy metal band I want a t-shirt for. Well, I would wear a t-shirt for them. Yeah. They even got a great name that sounds pretty authentic. Like Compressor Head's a pretty great name for uh, for a band, robot or not, you know? Yeah, no, it's it really, really well done. And, and the fact that they can actually play on a stage that you can do all the, the great atmospheric effects and have lasers and flash bombs and stuff like that going off. And they have the mannerisms. I mean, just yeah. the way that, you know, uh, fingers is kind of back in his head, back and forth and all that. If they can work out on getting a robotic vocalist, it'll be fantastic. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think that wraps it. That's, that's it. That's it. Yes. That's our it. first one. That's it. So, First one in 2013, we started with David Bowie, he ended up with robot musicians. Who knows? Who knows where we'll go next week? <laughs> I don't. But uh, check us at uh, uh, Um I'm going to put up the review for the words because yeah. you, have to, you have to be warned about this movie. You it's that bad. You have to be warned about this movie. It is that bad. Just because, you know, the thing about stuff like the words it's one of those movies that no one has really heard much about it'll end up at the video store or it'll end up on some video service and you're gonna have uh you're gonna have like a boyfriend or a sister or a girlfriend go i don't know this kind of looks good and you can say i love him yeah and you can have that memory that hold on your brain sort of you know hits the alarm you wait a minute no 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 we're not going to see this movie no 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 no. i'll show you richard Crow said not to it's really bad you know? Well, I'm going to put that up there right now. Because that often happens to me uh, with like Ben Kingsley's career. He's done some fine work, but he's also done some real, real stinkers. Yeah. And I have had the experience of being in a video store and someone going, but it's Ben Kingsley. I, I know. It's <laughs> I know. So Ben Kingsley. You know, Ben Kingsley movie that you probably haven't seen, or maybe you have. You see a lot of stuff, but a lot of people haven't seen. It's called The Wackness. Uh, oh. Okay. W a c k n e s. The Wackness is a great movie, uh, and and Ben Kingsley is great in it. He plays kind of an alcoholic therapist, and uh, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, it's funny. It's cool, and of course, the theme song on the end of the movie. The very it goes out with all the young dudes, written by David Bowie, performed by Mott the Hoople. Bringing it full circle, people. Bringing it full circle. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be back again. Yeah, yeah. See ya.